you, Lord. My shame is taken away. 
some of the things that in the past and yet here we stand who is like the Lord amen hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus we can't help but stand up and give him the praise amen because it's what he's doing in our lives let's make it personal hallelujah oh Lord you are good thank you for your mercy Lord thank you for your grace hallelujah the God of second chances, the God of third chances. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You are good. Thank you, Lord, for your compassion. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that we can bring our shame and lay it at the altar. We can bring our brokenness and bring it at the altar before you, Father. There's no one like you. That you love us so much, Lord. But you don't want us to stay where we are, Lord. You want us to move in victory with you, to walk in victory and trust you. Oh, Lord, my Savior. Is he your Savior this morning? He just wants your heart. He just wants your heart, our Savior.
that again. Everyone needs. Because everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failing. Oh, let mercy fall on me. And everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a Savior. You're the hope of nations. Thank you, Lord. Lord, and fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Lord, now I
He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Yes, Lord. Oh, let's let our light so shine. We're singing of his glory. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Amen. Because of what he's done in our lives and who he is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Our Savior. One last time, Savior. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is today to know that you are saved. Amen. You are bought by the blood of Jesus. You are redeemed. Your feet are set upon a solid rock. Amen. And so we are thankful today that we have the salvation of Jesus Christ, that we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, that we chose to serve him. Amen. So the price that he paid for us, how can you not choose to serve him? And so it is an awesome day to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. We got some announcements for you this morning before Brother Ernie comes. How many of you love Brother Ernie when he's here? I do. I remember the first time he came. That's how long I've been here. <laughs> I think I've been long, here longer than anybody in the building. <laughs> That's a good thing, though. This is my home. This is my home. Someone asked me if I was going to sell my house, and I said, why would I sell it? I've been there for 38 years. I ain't selling my house. <laughs> I like where I'm at, and I love my family of the Lord. And this is my home. You are my family. And this is where I'm, this is where I'm planted. This is where I'm planted. So, hallelujah. So, God is good. So um, we want to remember to pray for Pastor Steve and Jerry Lynn and the kids. They're on vacation this week. They're enjoying some, some 
uh, I don't know if it's rest and relaxation when you have four kids. Because I remember when I took my kids on vacation and I had four kids, it wasn't rest and relaxation. <laughs> it was busy. But be praying for Pastor Steve and Jerry Lynn that they have an awesome time this next couple of weeks with their family. You know, it's important to be able to get with your family and get away and to relax and just to enjoy that time. And so uh, keep them in your prayers. And I tried to get a hold of Millie this morning, was not able to get a hold of her. But I do have a report for Millie. She is doing good. They are going to um, send her to a rehab for a couple weeks, and then hopefully she'll be home. So continue to pray for Millie and continue to pray for Floyd, you know, because, uh, you know, he's home and Millie's at the at the hospital still. The, I think the Monday or Tuesday, possibly they're going to move her to a rehab center. So be praying for them and the Shoemate family. And then, um, of course, we have uh, the uh, Roadrunner Barbecue. So if you're a Roadrunner and you don't have a flyer, let me put my glasses on here. This flyer is big enough I can read without it, but I just want to hold it up. So get a hold of Tim and Pam, August 20th, 1 p.m. Here's the flyer. Get one of those. Put it on your fridge. Uh, attend that. And I, oh, there's always a lot of food, so you're never going to leave there hungry. So amen. And then we have some birthdays this month. We have uh, Maggie Wright, August 9th. Maggie just came in. Happy birthday, Maggie. Connie McClary, I don't see her here today, but it's her birthday this month. Make sure you, if you know her, send her a note, give her a call. Uh, Evelyn, our dear sister Evelyn right over there. She's going to be 33, so it's Evelyn's birthday. Are you going to be 33 this month? <laughs> I said, are you going to be 33 this month? <laughs> so we love Evelyn and um, so bless her and um, actually Dawn Causey who just slipped out of the room is her birthday the 21st of this month August 21st so um, it's her birthday so I got to do something for her I don't know what I'm going to do maybe I'll take her to the Irish restaurant in Aberdeen she loves that place Amen. The bursaries, Tim and Della Shields. I think Della's teaching this morning. She's probably in the back room. And Mark and Christine Vaughn, August 14th. We were just talking about the day they got married. Mark and Christine got married at the Log Pavilion. It was very hot, like 98 degrees. Very, very hot. We're all sitting there after the ceremony, and I got the pleasure to unite them in marriage. It was an awesome day. And we were all sitting there trying to look, and there was a barn floating down the river. <laughs> so I, we were just talking about that yesterday. About, oh, we all turned around. Oh, there's a barn floating down the Shaylas River. <laughs> so that was an awesome time. So um, congratulations to you two. Congratulations, Mark, that you have the patience and love to put up with Christine. <laughs> I can tease her. She's my new daughter-in-law now. She's my new daughter. Actually, not daughter-in-law, stepdaughter, daughter. She's always been one of my girls anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Amen. And then um, other than that, that's pretty much. And then there is going to be a service here for Robert Ratcliffe. I know a lot of you do not know Robert because he's been homebound for years and years, and they were very active members here and at uh, Central Park in the early days. And actually, when we moved into the building, they were still actively attending and so they're gonna, we're going to have a service here August 27th at 1 p.m. here at the church. And so 
if you're part of the church body, he is your brother, even if you don't know him. So, um, but they were faithful, faithful to pray for us, pray for this body all the time, even though they were homebound. They were faithful prayer warriors for the body of Christ. And other than that, that's just about it, except for um, tithes and offerings. How many of you know what those are? <laughs> We've been kind of busy lately. We really haven't talked about that lately since we started taking the offering in the back. And hopefully we quit doing that and we start taking the offering like we normally do. I like the old way. Um, but I want to remind you that, you know, this is a faithful house. Like I said, I've been here since the beginning when we were on Kerjala Street. And this house has always been a blessed house. Um, we went through some struggles through times, but this house has always been blessed by God because of the faithful people who are here. So this is your house. This is your family. And I don't know about you, but I take care of my house. I take care of my family. And so I'm encouraging you to, when you give your tithes and offerings, just don't put them in there thinking it's an obligation. Put them in there because you love being in the house of the Lord. Put them in there because you love your family, that you help be able to come to this beautiful facility and use this facility. You love them, so you help support this ministry. You know, because we are the ministry to Grace Harbor. We are called to minister to Grace Harbor, and we are called to be a witness to Grace Harbor. And so that's why we work so diligently to try to keep the building up and to keep everything going the way it's going and open the doors for people to come in is because we want to reach Grace Harbor. Amen. That's why we're here. And so also we had a missionary crew. I don't remember all the names. There was like eight of them here. And they were cleaned all the bushes and worked around the grounds. Were you here yesterday, Tim, with them? Okay. I didn't know if maybe since you normally oversee that if you were here, but Oh, the mission did it. Oh, oh, you guys did it. The way Pastor C worded it, I thought it was like a missionary team came in. He sent me a text and said, don't forget to mention this today. And I was thinking, I didn't know we had a mission team coming. (laughs) So these fine gentlemen right here, these fine, these mission gentlemen, okay. See, I didn't think of these as being mission gentlemen. These are just my brothers that come to church with me, so maybe that's why I didn't get that text very clear. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming and blessing our body and and taking care of the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So um, I don't want to take any more of my brother's time. Um, I love Ernie. I'm always blessed whenever he comes here it's a blessing to me um like i said i remember the first time he ever come i don't know how many years ago that was he might remember i don't remember um i have some timers sometimes i remember sometimes i don't and right now i don't remember when the first time he come but come on up brother and he is going to break the bread of life with us this morning amen and apparently he doesn't need a nothing to put nothing on because he just bringing water so music stand that's what I was going to get but I didn't see you nothing in your hand slightly opened you guys I don't know if you remember or not but you just opened this building thank you brother and, uh, you had uh, you just
just opened the building, and I came for a fellowship meeting and was the, was the speaker that night. This is my wife, Carol, same wife, 49 years. And uh, they're, they're kind of hard to break in, so once you get them up that high, you know. The reason I'm sitting, I apologize, but as I was last time I was here, I was, uh, I was injured in an accident, and I've lost some capacity to walk as of this time, so just keep me in your prayers, and God is healing me, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, appreciate being here. really is a privilege to be here, be all, all the time, anytime. We always enjoy being with you guys. Uh, I do want to mention that my brother was talking about, uh, you know, just how long he'd been in a church. It reminded me of a church, a friend of mine who said he had just gone to be at a church, to be a pastor of a church, young man wanted to make a good impression on the church and he has a church out in the country some of you have been to those kind of churches carol and i patched one of those country churches and then after the uh everyone was seated uh an old logger came in came about halfway down took his seat right in the middle and his faithful dog came in and got set down right beside him in the aisle they're just sitting there and they're just not bothering anybody just sitting there but the young pastor is very concerned, you know, you know, decorum and, you know, all those things you're supposed to look good in church and everything. So he asked this head utter should have come over and instructed him. He asked the brother to have the dog wait outside during the message because it just, you know, it just doesn't look right for the dog to come to church. And uh, anyway, so the old man took the dog out, came back, sat down. After the service, the young pastor went back to the guy and the guy was on. He was a bit off a chaw of tobacco, and he was chewing, and, and uh, he was getting his dog unleashed and everything, getting ready to go home. And the pastor said, Brother, I want to apologize. We appreciate you bringing your dog out here, I, and we appreciate you being here, and your dog, I'm sorry, couldn't stay inside. And the pastor looked at him and says, That's okay, Pastor. That message weren't fit for no dog anyway. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a true story, but it sounds good. <laughs> So I hope this one blesses you this morning. What if we do this? Let's just raise our hands for just a moment. And let's just enjoy the atmosphere of heaven. The Bible said that Jesus told his disciples, wherever two or three are gathered, my name, there I am in the midst of them. And he is here. So just go ahead and just lift your hands and say, Lord, I just enjoy this atmosphere, this place. And I enjoy my brothers and sisters, and I enjoy the, Lord, all that's here. And the word of promise that's about to come. And I appreciate the music that we've given to you. And now I pray, God, that as I hear the word, let the word come alive in my heart. And as we spoke with my brother a while ago, let the life-giving word give life to me this morning, even as I hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Go ahead and just take a deep breath. You're in the atmosphere of heaven. Just breathe in. This is, this is what God intends you to be refreshed in his house. It's not an obligation it's a blessing, and Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have your Bibles with you, and you should have your Bibles with you. Take them and turn with me to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25, and uh, we're going to just take a few moments. I want to talk to you about something that you may have heard about before, and I'm sure you have, but I want to just talk to you this morning about the ark of the covenant and it doesn't sound like much so i'm going to put it in another word the mercy seat i'm going to talk to you for just a few moments about the mercy seat 
First of all, thank you, Pastor Brother Tom. Appreciate you very much for hosting us this morning. Make an atonement cover, verse 17, of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. And make two cherubim, which are angels, hammered out of hammered gold at the end of each cover. And make one cherubim on one end and the second cherub on the other. And make this cherubim of one piece with the cover at two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. And the cherubim are to face each other, looking towards the cover. Place the cover on the top of the ark, and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give to you. Verse 22 will be our base of operation, so to speak. There above the cover, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, Here's the key word. I will meet with you and give you my commands. So what I want to talk to you, and I'll be brief this morning. Can you say amen? <laughs> yeah. And now let's see if we can believe that. Anyway, I want to talk to you about the mercy seat. Now you see a picture up on here, and I appreciate my brother displaying that. I kind of broke that down in a kind of an exploded view. This is what we call the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not going to take a time. I'm not going to go into teaching sessions. There's so much here, we can't cover all of it. But I want to take, first of all, I want to just take a look at the Ark of the Covenant, what's in the Ark, but then we're going to look at what's over the Ark, and that'll be where we'll end up. So if you're following along or taking notes or whatever you're doing, just uh, be patient with me. We'll go there. Several years ago, uh, I was riding along in, uh, with my, we have a set of twin young men, boys, and he was about uh, eight or nine years old at the time, our oldest twin. They're not eight or nine now, they're 32, so it's been a while. Anyway, so we're riding along, and he had a little box with him that he had been carrying around. And he asked me a question. We're driving down the road, and he said, Dad, do you have a box where you keep special things? And I said, well, I, I don't know. He said, I have one. And he showed me a little box that he had. And he took off the cover of the box, and inside was an Ichiro card. There's a, a, a little toy that he had gotten that he really liked. And there was a picture of his biological mom, because they are adopted. There's a picture of his biological mom. And he said, these things are special to me. He says, and I keep them in this little box, and this box is special to me also. And we were talking and just being back and forth, father and son, and that always stayed with me, a little box where I keep things that are special to me. If you look up on the board here real quick, you'll see God's special box. Now, it's more than that, and it has more, it is a more uh, dynamic thing than just a box. But if you look at it from human eyes, all you see is a box with a cover. Okay, and God commanded Moses, he said, I want you to make this. And we're not going to cover all the intricacies and everything that goes into that. I just want to touch a couple of things. It, it, because I want to talk to you about specifically mercy, which is at the heart of what you see up here. Now, mercy is defined, and I love this, and I keep this with me. You can use this if you, if you need to call and get some extra payment time for the mortgage or for your car. It says, mercy is compassion expressed in a tangible way mercy is compassion expressed in a tangible way but there's when it comes to the mercy of God which is what we're talking about here this morning 
There's so much to it that we have to kind of look at it in its entirety. In the box up there, you see the box itself, which is, takes up most of the picture, and you'll see the lid, which has been lifted there, but you'll see three items off to the side. Those three items are specific, and they're not there now, and we don't even know where the Ark of the Covenant is now. Well, we think we do if you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, but that's not really true. We don't know where the Ark of the Covenant is today, and it's a never mind because it doesn't have anything to do with anything with us today in the New Testament church because that ark literally had to do, it was a place where the presence of God lived. When God lived among his people Israel in the desert. Now, if you don't know this story, but you probably do, the nations of Israel came out of Egypt and when they were there, God had this bill, had them build this box and it's an intricate thing and it's a beautiful thing and it has a place where God keeps things but it also is the dwelling place of God but where the dwelling place is where we'll come in a few moments is interesting but if you were to take the lid off the box and set the lid off to the side which you could never do because no one was ever allowed to see this mercy seat except for the priests if, it, if you looked inside you would see three objects you would see two rocks a bowl of cereal and a stick two rocks a bowl of cereal and a stick now that simplifies it but that's what it is and it talks to the nation of israel god says this will be my witness that i will be with my people as they move from point a to point b and once they get to point b as long as they honor me and live with me and honor my presence among them i will always do three things for them the first thing you see are those two rocks those two rocks are what we call the Ten Commandments, are what the Jewish people call the Ten Words, the Decalogue. They are the Ten Words of God that speak the heart of God and give a revelation of the mind of God to the people of Israel and by extrapolation to the world around them. Those two rocks contain the thou shalt, thou shalt not, and all those things that tell us what God expects in a relationship between him and, and us and between our fellow, us and our fellow man. They are the foundations for living in the presence of God. These laws, which were difficult, and in fact they were impossible to keep, because they were so holy and so intricate, no one could keep them, but God said, I'm going to give them to you anyway, and they will be the basis upon which you are to conduct yourself as close to them as you can. The Ten Commandments. The next thing you see is that stick. It's a stick to us, but to the people of Israel, it was a huge deal, big deal. And here's why. Because when the nation of Israel was in the desert, they were confused about the leadership. One guy says, well, these guy Aaron is not really a guy. He didn't really get a calling from God. And so God said to Moses, he said, here's what you do. You take 12 sticks, one stick from each of the tribes of Israel, and you lay them before the tabernacle there and you come back tomorrow morning, and I'll show you whom I've chosen. So they all came back the next morning. All those leadership came back the next morning, and the sticks were still there looking like sticks, except for one stick. And it's a dead stick. A man, Aaron, had carried it for many years. It was a shepherd's stick. But overnight, it had blossomed in almond blossoms. It had blossomed out. It had created fruit, and it had dropped its fruit. It came alive. And it was a way of God saying, that is who I have chosen 
to lead you forward in this spiritual journey with me. So that stick was suggested. So when Aaron died, they took this stick and they placed it by God's command inside the special box that God has there. So there's the rocks, there's the stick, but then there's that last thing. Jesus prayed this prayer when he was teaching the disciples to pray. He said, give us this day. Say it again. Every morning out in the desert, and you know this, but every morning out there in the desert where there were no Safeways, no McDonald's, hard to believe, no Burger King, no Dairy Queen, there was nothing to eat and no water to drink. But when they entered that desert, God says, well, as long as you're out here, I'll feed you every day. And every day when they got up, with the exception of the Sabbath day, there was manna to eat. Now, manna was kind of a wafer stuff. We don't know exactly what manna was. All we know is it's what the angels eat. The Bible said it was the food of angels. And it is a beautiful reminder that every day God provides for us. And if you walk in his ways, if you live according to his commands, and you live under his leadership, he will provide for you. Can you say amen? Oh, come on, say it like it happened. He'll take care of you. When it's time and when your need is apparent, God will take care of it. Shout it out. He'll take care of you. It's it's real thing. It's a real thing. He will take care of you. And every morning, with the exception of the Sabbath day, there was this wonderful food to eat. And so what they did, they took the, they took the first falling, the first time it fell, and they filled a bowl with, of, of it, and they put it inside of the ark, and it remained fresh throughout the 40 years. That one bowl remained fresh. Talk about preservatives. Preserved by heaven, that bowl stayed fresh and alive as long as they traveled throughout the 40 years in the wandering in the desert. The basis for life, the leadership, and the provision. That's what God gives to you today. It's what he offers to you today as a believer. But there's one other thing in there that you could not live without. And if you look closely at the picture here, you'll notice that there are two angels, and they are part of the lid of the box. Once this stuff was all inside, then this lid was placed on top of it. And this was called the atonement cover. Say that with me atonement cover first year bible college okay atonement cover now interestingly enough that atonement cover has a lot to do with what we're going to spend the last few minutes we're together because it's going to touch your life right now and tomorrow morning just like the bowl of manna does just like the stick does and just like the word of god does those things are relevant in your life old testament or new testament you have them they're a part of your life Okay, but it's that piece that goes on top, that cover. You'll notice that there is an angel on one end and an angel on the other end, and these are cherubim. Now, from best of what we know about the order of angels, cherubim are angels, along with seraphim, that serve God around the throne. They are a special corps of angels that specifically guard the throne of God. Not that God needs it, but it's like an imperial display of his majesty. And these two cherub angels are beautiful, they're gold, and they are sitting on top, as you can see them, and they are facing each other, yet their eyes, and you can't see this in the picture, 
but their eyes are tilted downward and they're looking at the space between them. They're looking down at the space between them, which is an empty space about two feet long by about two feet wide. Now, I'm not, that may be a little bit off, but I'll, I, we're just going to use that, okay? But they're looking down, not at each other, because they are not interested in each other. But they're looking down, because let me read this to you. The Bible says that God spoke to, he spoke to Moses, and here's what he told him. He says in verse 22, there above the cover, between these two angels, I'm kind of paraphrasing, that are over the Ark of the Covenant, I will meet with you. And though it's a space only about as big as this and as wide as this, it's not a very big space. Here's an angel here, another angel here, and a space about this wide. And the Bible says, God said, this is where I will meet with you. And the Jewish people forever and as long as there will be a Jewish people on earth always believe that space, and this is what we believe, is the dwelling place of God on earth. And throughout the Old Testament, that space between the cherubs was the place where God lived. And it sounds weird because he's the great God of all the universe. How could he squeeze into this little space? Only God can know how that happens. And there, he met with Moses. And he met with the priest once a year on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, for one purpose. Because you see, the people are like you and me. The people of Israel, they sinned against God. And so on one special day, there inside the tent, inside another tent, inside the tent, one man, the high priest, would come in, are you ready for this? And he would speak with God. But he began his conversation with God with these words. You ready? Have mercy on me. Say that with me. Have mercy on me. He was standing in the what we call the Shekinah, or the living manifestation, or living presence of God on earth. There in the center was the seat upon which God was seated, the mercy seat. And in that little tent, the holiest of holies, was the Shekinah, the living presence of the God of the universe. And once a year, carrying a bucket of sacrificial blood, the priest would enter, and he would circle the Ark of the Covenant, that box, three times. His first time, he would beg God to forgive the sins of the people because they had sinned. And this is where their sins were dealt with. They sinned, they sinned, they sinned. And finally, the, they, all those sins were brought before God on the Day of Atonement. And God forgave them with these words, Have mercy on us, your people, for they have sinned. The second time he went around, he prayed for his family. He said, have mercy on my family, for they have sinned. And he would anoint the corners with blood. And then one last time, he would circle the Ark of the Covenant. And he would cry out, forgive me, for I have sinned. And if his heart was sincere, and the words from his heart were pure, God would take the sins of Israel, and he would push them off. He wouldn't punish them for them. 
but he would push them off into the future as long as this holy covenant between God and man was kept. That's why it's called the Ark of the Covenant. Do you understand what I'm saying so far? How many? Okay. But now comes the interesting part. The place where God sits. Now, you're seated on a chair, hopefully. Amen? All of us are. And that's a good thing. Because sitting on the floor is uncomfortable. Amen? In that seat, it's not just a chair you sit on. It's not just a chair that God sits in. It establishes God's presence on earth. And by sitting there, it's like a king sitting with authority over his kingdom. And as long as the people of Israel would come to that place on the, at the specified time, God would forgive them. And forgiveness is what we need, isn't it? If you had to carry your sins, they'd weigh you down. They'd make you feel guilty. And they would drive you into hell. For I've sinned. And we realize that we need someone to deal with this sin. So in the Old Testament, God created this place where they could come and receive, say this word with me, mercy. They could come and ask God, don't punish me for my sins. I'm sincere. I ask forgiveness. Don't punish. And God would have mercy on them. So the Jewish people began calling this space between the angels. You ready? The mercy seat. Because it signified a place where God was and what God did. This is where he is. This is what he does. He has mercy on me. He has mercy on me. And there's so much more that we could put in here. But I'm going to take you quickly past the box. We're going to close the box up. Put everything back in the box. And then we're going to go thousands of years into the future. And the Ark of the Covenant has disappeared. And nobody knows where it is. <clears throat> and by the time Jesus appeared on the earth, no one knew where it was. And that's okay. God's intention was pure on that. Because the next thing to happen was for you and for me. And it'll affect you tomorrow. It'll affect you today. Right now. Because the God of the mercy seat is still intent on showing mercy to his people. Whether they have sinned and don't realize it, or whether they realize it and are asking for mercy for other things. Mercy is what we need from God. Say that with me. Mercy is what we need from God. We cannot come arrogantly before God. We can come boldly, but we cannot come arrogantly before God. His mercy is what he gives because that's his nature. He's a wonderful God. Now, how many of you had people in your life that you just knew they were just kind and forgiving? Anybody have those kind of people in your life? And you just loved to be with them. And, and, you, and you knew that they were willing to forgive you if you made a mistake. Probably a mother or a father. But mercy is what we need. You say, but I'm a Christian. I've given my heart to Jesus. And I hope you haven't. If you haven't, we can help you take care of that right now and before you leave this room. But when the mercy seat disappeared along with the Ark of the Covenant... The people were kind of, what do we do now? And if your Bible is with you, open to John chapter 1. Now we go to the New Testament, and we're only just a few minutes away from being finished. Can you say, glory? <laughs> All right, John chapter 1, verse 14. John explains this to us. And he said, the word 
which was Jesus, became flesh, and he dwelt among us. I say this sometimes, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. How many people in this room like to go camping? Hold your hand up. How many like to go camping in tents? Let's see your hand. Oh, look at that. Not so much. You know, a lot of people. Okay, okay. camping is fun. Amen? Well, you can have mine too. Lord, bless. Heal these people from the need to camp. Okay, that's my prayer. I pray for you every day. Okay, don't. I'm not kidding. Camping is wonderful. The picture here in the mind of the person reading is, is the word became flesh. He took on a body of flesh. And here's what they were hearing. They didn't hear dwelt among us. They heard these words. He put down his tent. He tabernacled with us. He put down a tent and he drove the stakes in and he built a little fire and he said, I'm one of you, I'm part of you. The word, which is the living Jesus, puts on flesh and he came and he dwelt among us. But when he put on flesh, he was putting flesh on what essentially was alive there between the two angels, the mercy of God. And in fact, from this moment on, I want you to know, so you can understand, Jesus Christ became what we call the living mercy seat. He became the living mercy seat. What had been, what had been a, a, a given to the nation of Israel there in the desert now becomes flesh. And that mercy that they expected from God after years of experiencing it now was alive among them. And the Bible tells us that he walked among the people and he showed mercy by healing the sick, raising the dead, restoring the eyesight of the blind, opening the ears of the deaf, doing these remarkable miracles, not because he was showing off, not because he could and did. He was showing people, say it out loud, mercy. Every one of these who were healed received an act of mercy from God because of God's wonderful characteristic of love and mercy. And Jesus was just simply walking among the people saying, God has mercy on you. And remember the words of the beggar who said, Son of David, say it out loud, have mercy on me. And he says, I hear you. I hear you. I see that hand. And he gave him exactly what he was praying for. It's an act of mercy. Healing is an act of God's mercy. It's God showing mercy. It's a compassion we do not deserve given in a tangible way that becomes alive in our heart. Can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a praise offering on that one. Amen? God's compassion and his mercy was just flowing out of the fingertips of Jesus. He touches an older woman and her back begins to crack and crinkle. And suddenly she's standing up straight. He reaches out to a leper and the mercy of God goes. A lady touches his clothes and mercy flows through him. It's the mercy, the virtue of God. And when you receive your healing, when you receive a miracle from God, it's God displaying mercy towards you. Because Jesus is mercy personified. He's the living mercy seat of God. And the mercy seat of God is good. If you've got your Bible open, I want you to turn with me to four, chapter 4 of the book of Luke, verse 40. 
I love this verse. I would love to have seen, I'd love to have been there that night. I was thinking the other night, because I too am seeking healing just like you are. And God has already given me a promise of healing. And I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that appointment. But here's a word that I, the Lord gave me, and I share it with you this morning. And verse 40, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, verse 40, and laying his hand on each one, ready for this? He healed them and some of your bibles say he healed them all i mean there could have been thousands of people an ocean of people you know limping up there and and feeling their way forward because they're blind and hurting and out of control and they're you know epilepsy and all the other stuff that inhabits the human race and jesus walked through the crowd laying his hand mercy 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 and every time he touched someone the electric mercy of god boom it's almost there and that's in the room today he's in the room can you say amen he's in the room today that same healer with that same power is here in the house today now listen carefully he worked the mercy of god but you know why he did this well here here's why in the bible there are two types of people in the ministry of Jesus. Whenever he would preach, they would line up whatever God could do for them. And these were people who were seeking the mercy of God. Just like you may be seeking the mercy of God. You may be standing in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a situation, and you say, I'm seeking your mercy. And it's okay to tell God that, because when you cry out for mercy, he heals you, and he hears you. Let me, hear you, let me see here you say amen. amen. And you know it, and I know it. Okay, I love this part. But they were there because they, well, let me just read the people, these people that were there that night and went with him everywhere he went, ready, are like people today. They needed mercy and they sought out the source of mercy. Shakespeare said, mercy is my only hope when I go through the difficult trials of life and no one cares but here it is they went looking for mercy and the source of mercy because they saw others getting healed so they stood in line too because they were seeking mercy and your heart can be that way you're here this morning because you're seeking a touch from God you're seeking a touch from God in your life and that's okay keep doing it they needed mercy and God was willing to display mercy and he is still willing to display mercy let me read this to you. While you just stay right there in the book of Luke. I'm going to read this from Hebrews. Therefore, let us approach God's throne of grace with a confidence, not with arrogance, but with a confidence, so that we might receive, here it is, mercy. Let's, let us go to the throne of God with confidence so that we might receive mercy. Say this with me, mercy. We need it. I need it. Carol and I are getting ready right now. On Tuesday, we leave for about a 60-day travel. And we'll start here, and we'll end up in uh, South Dakota and in Nevada and other places throughout the Midwest. And by the time we're done traveling, we will, have, we will end up, hopefully, in the country of Latvia because that's our travel schedule is going to get really intense. And I was thinking about all the, all the planning that went into that, all the planning that still goes into that, 
all the stuff that we're going to, all the places we're going to preach at, how we're going to be preaching in different, and all I said, Lord, we need your mercy. We need your mercy to be able to minister to your people. We need your mercy when we are ministering to your people. We need your mercy to keep us as we go from city to city because we live by faith. And we need your mercy when we get on that plane to go to lobby. It all boils down to mercy. And just like you, tomorrow morning, when you need something, you cry out to God for mercy. You are seeking mercy, and he's there. And his heart doesn't turn you away and say, oh, well, there he is again. He doesn't say that. He opens his heart, and he showed them mercy. I love this one. Just keep this with you. He healed them all. He didn't turn them away. Oh, man, you back again? Weren't you here last week? But he healed them all. Because God is a God of mercy. And he delights to show mercy to his people. But there's another category of people who need mercy. Two categories of people. People who need mercy and go and look for it like we are. And then there are, and you might have been in this category some time ago. Those who desperately need mercy. But they, they aren't looking for it. They wouldn't know where to find it anyway. If your Bible is open, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 5. We're almost done. Put in all your Bible reading for one day, for the week in, in this morning. Mark chapter 5, verse 18. Are we still awake? Punch your neighbor and say, wake up, he's almost done. Okay, Give him a little heads up there. In Mark chapter 5, verse 18, we come at the end of a miracle... A tremendous miracle. Listen, Jesus is getting in the boat. Peter is telling this story to Mark, and Mark is writing it down. And the man who had been demon-possessed by legions of demons, which are thousands of demons, begged to go with him. He has been released into freedom when Jesus spoke and the demons fled. That's great. And all of a sudden, this man who was crazy and who was infested with demons and couldn't think straight, couldn't wear clothes, and was cutting himself and hurting himself, suddenly is free. And by the time they, the people from the village who had been tormented by this man find him, he's all dressed up, looking like a Sunday school boy. He's all dressed up, little faces all cleaned up. And the Bible says in his verse, he begged Jesus, let me go with you. Let me get away from this place with all of its remembrance of what I used to be, legions of demons. And they're pushing the boat away, and Jesus is getting in. And just before he gets in, he's probably, he's probably standing in the boat. He reaches over and touches the head of the man, in my imagine. He says, listen, and he says these words, no. He says, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you I'm going to pause it just for a moment here and let me throw this in here I love this in the other story people came looking for mercy and they found it but in the story that I've just read to you was a man so infested with demons he couldn't even think straight and if even he could think straight he would not be welcome in a place where mercy was being given because he's like a sinner. Can you say sinner? He was a sinner. Are you ready? I love this. 
So when Jesus got out of the boat, walked up that hill, turned that little corner, and saw this man, here's what happened. When this man could not and would not go to the mercy seat, the mercy seat came to him. Isn't that incredible? I love this because there are people all around you. They don't think God cares about them. They care less about God than they think he cares about them. But they don't know that there's a God who is coming after them. And that God is a mercy seat where they can obtain mercy, forgiveness, and healing, and deliverance. Jesus is the living mercy seat. Now, if I'm getting excited, hang on, because this is good. Listen to this part. Because the mercy seat will seek you out. God's love is so powerful. His heart's so overwhelmingly filled with love that he doesn't wait for you to come to church. He comes where you are. I had a friend of mine, and he said, Ernie, he says, I know that God was convicting me. I know the Holy Spirit was pursuing me before I gave my heart to Jesus. He said, I'm drinking in a bar, or I'm sitting in a place where I shouldn't be, and I realized later that all that time, Jesus was right there waiting for me for a break in the action where I could turn my heart to him. How many have ever experienced this in their own life? Go ahead, shout it out. Amen. When he couldn't get to the mercy seat, they didn't want him there. They didn't want him in the temple. The priest didn't want him in the holiest of holies, where he really should have gone because he desperately needed mercy. When he couldn't get there, the mercy seat, say it out loud, came to him. And that's what God does. But re- let me finish this. Go home to your family, Mr. Previously Filled with Demons, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and love this and how he has had mercy on you let me just throw this in there and then we're done okay listen carefully years ago Carol and I did foster kids when we were pastoring we did we, we took in kids for foster care well when they found out our home was a Christian home and a preacher's home they always sent us kids that were really negative and hard to deal with. Drug affected, rebellious, hateful, curse you in a moment, kill you if they could. We've had threats. And I'm sitting out one day and a counselor, we, we would take them to their counselors. And one day the counselor came out and sat with me and we were talking about this particular young man. And he was really going through a rough time. And he said these words to me. He said, Ernie, he says, you see how bad, what's his name is in there? He's a rough character, full of hate, full of rejection and hate. He says, we see him. He said, but what we don't see is the effects that it had on his family. You know, we'll never know how badly his family is hurting because of him, because he's gone, because he's in this rebellious attitude, because he's hurting people. But we can't see what it's doing to them and Jesus the master psychologist said go home to your family they've concerned about you they've been waiting on a miracle in your life when they heard about what you were doing and they heard about the horror of your life 
Maybe they cringed at the breakfast table. Maybe they stood at night in the door and said, he's never coming home. He's broken and he can't be fixed. Jesus laid his hand on his shoulder, touched his forehead. Go home. Show them and tell them. And Jesus is saying, let the mercy that God has shown you be a blessing to someone else. Go minister to your family. I would love to have been there that next night. And he walked through that door. And his mama and his dad and his brothers and sisters saw him. This man who was known throughout the region as the demoniac of the Gadarenes. Here he stands. Mind is clear. Body is clean. And he says, God, had mercy on me. The mercy seat came to me. It's his intention to have mercy on everyone. Like so many people in our world today, they desperately need mercy, but you, you, they will not admit that to you. They will not admit that they need God. Never will. So the mercy seat goes after them. I pastored for many, many years. I know where I said I was done, and I am almost done. And you go, turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I pastored for many, many years. Just one quick short story. And I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Man Who Talked With Angels. I don't know if you ever read that book or not. It's a phenomenal book back in the 70s and the 80s about a man who was uh, in the pastoring in the city of Boise, and God was showing him how, God, how he was working, and angels would come and it kind of outlined what God was doing in the city. And he would write it down, just for the encouragement of the church. It wasn't a worship of angels. The guy was in Assembly of God Pastors, very legit. But my secretary had gone to his church. And she said that just before he passed away, said that one Sunday he shared with them this amazing testimony. He says, one night, he said, I got up in the middle of the night. And he says, I walked into my living room, which at night overlooks the city of Boise. And he said, there's an angel standing there. Now, the angels have ministries of encouragement. So he said, there's an angel standing there. And he said, I was just kind of like, what is this attributed to? And the angel said, come here. Look out across the city. Ready? Are you ready for this? Here we go. He says, he looked across the city, and there were flashes of light hitting little houses. Flash, and they would flash, and the light would come on and throughout the city. And he was saying, what? in the world is going on and he said the angel turned to him and said God wanted to tell you this everywhere you see the light flashing is where the Holy Spirit is preparing a heart to hear the word of God and your job is to give it to them mercy and you may look at someone who falls down drunk you may look at someone who has the marks in their arms and you might say, oh, man, never. Hey, I worked in the missions. I, I worked in Teen Challenge. I know what it's like. But I know a God who can have mercy. So if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are missing the mercy of God. Grab it right now. We're going to pray with you and for you in a moment. But as a verse, there's one more. I'm going I'm to share this with you. The mercy of God is all-embracing mercy. It breaks down every barrier that we build up. 
Every barrier we build between us and God, the mercy of God breaks it down. Because God's mercy is so great, he breaks down walls. No wall he won't break down. Coming after me. Father, right now, while our heads are bowed, these people honor you with their presence in your house. And you honor us with your presence. We're so glad you're here, mercy seat. You are the living mercy seat. You are the God of mercy. It is your name. It is your character. It defines you. You're the God of majesty and truth and love, but you're a God of mercy. I sit here today because you had mercy on a sinful soul. Say that with me. I sit here today because God had mercy on a sinner. So, Father, right now, here in your place, we give you thanks. for. Would you lift your hands and begin to praise God for his mercy right now? Come on, lift your hands up high and just say, Lord, I thank you for your mercy. Every bit of mercy, every act of mercy you've shown, every act of healing, every miracle, every abundance that you've poured out in my life, I thank you for. You are a God of mercy. A God of mercy. And Father God, we just curse every demon in hell that would separate us from your mercy. In the name of Jesus, every demon every situation that would separate us. We say in the name of Jesus, overcome by the mercy of God. And we just pray for those who have needs this morning. Stand with me if you would. Could you stand with us this morning? And I want to just kind of just take this last few moments. I wonder could our, could our musicians come back? That last song we sang about the mighty God. Could, could we do that one more time? Would that be possible? We do that one more time, but while they're coming and getting ready, Father, right now, why don't you lay your hand on your heart, just right now. Lord, you are my mercy seat. Come on, cry out right now. Lord, you are my mercy seat. And maybe you have a need in your life. It's okay to cry out to him. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. But let's pray this prayer together so that everyone here can have the mercy of God in their life. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, and you come because you like the people, you like the music, you like the air conditioning. This is your prayer. Let's pray it together and in your sincere heart. So everyone repeat after me. Father in heaven, you are the God who shows mercy. And I ask you, forgive me. I am a sinner. I ask your forgiveness. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Let me feel the power of your love, the mercy that only you can give. I want to belong to you. I give my heart to you. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. And if you meant that, come and see me afterwards. We want to pray with you. Let's worship just once. Take us
sing it one last time. Just let the words of God's word pour into your heart. Close your eyes right now. If you're with your spouse or friend or someone from your family and you have a need, grab their hand right now. We're going to pray together. Grab that spouse, grab that son or daughter. Just take the hold. We're going to agree together. Father, right now, we know there are needs in families. There are needs for healing. There are needs for provision. There are needs for forgiveness. In families, Lord God, that were broken like the demoniac's family, there needs to be somebody there who will heal them. And they they might well be here today. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, who is our living mercy seat, I want you to agree with me right now. Lord, have mercy on us. Come on, say it in your heart. Say it out loud. Lord, have mercy on us. And even if you're here by yourself, the mercy of God is for you. It's coming to you right now. The mercy, the miracles of God are yours and they're coming to you because he is a God who shows mercy to his people. Can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a praise offering. He is a God of mercy. Shout it out. You're a God of mercy. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song one last time. And then Brother Tom's going to come and close the service. situation do not be afraid to say God have mercy on me anytime you're in a tight situation and you need his help say God have mercy on me you're talking to the living mercies and a while ago our brother said something and the Lord reinforced it in my heart he said something about this was a good house and he mentioned it because you're all faithful but the Lord said to tell you that you or a worthy house. The Bible says that when we come as a traveling ministry into a house and our spirit agrees that this is a worthy house, we're to leave a blessing. 
So, Father, on behalf of Carol and I, our ministry to this house, may the blessings of the Lord be poured out on every person that is here and everyone who enters this place in the weeks to come. This building will be overflowing with the people who've experienced the mercy seats, love and affection, and the prosperity of heaven will become the very, it will become the income of this church. And you, Lord God, will be blessed as you bless your people in Jesus' name. Do you receive this blessing? Let's give the Lord one more praise. Amen. If we get Carol, can you come up here, my dear? We want to pray for them before they leave because how many of you are blessed today with the word? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother, for your faithfulness. We want to pray with both of these on their journey. You know, it's important. And I encourage you. I know that some of you probably it's the first time you've met them. You've seen them. Be praying for them because they are on the road doing God's work and they need our prayers. And so let's just lift them to the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much for earning for Carol. We thank you for their faithfulness to this house when they're asked to come, Lord. They're always willing and able to come. So we thank you for that. And Lord, as they start this journey this next Tuesday on this on this road, Father God, that you have put them on, Father God. I pray that each and every day, Lord, that you will bless them, that you will protect them, that you will strengthen them. Lord, I pray that you will bring them an abundance beyond their own comprehension. Father God, that you will just provide for them. Lord, that you will provide for the ministry that they were going to be doing in, 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 the, uh, in Latvia, Lord. I pray, God, that they would be souls saved on each stop of their journey that lives will be changed, and you will give them a fresh word each and every day. So we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray, Lord God, that the mercy of God flows through them, that will flow to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you need prayer, come on up. If you would love to hug their necks, they are here. And other than that, you are free to move about the country. So good to see you again.